So we're continuing our series, and at the beginning of each of these messages, we've talked about Jesus' words to his followers at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And he said in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5, you are the salt of the earth. And we've talked about how salt has two roles. It's both savory and preservative. Savory in that it brings out the best, and preservative in that it keeps things from contamination and deterioration. And so we've used that as sort of a a launch pad for being heavenly-minded and earthly good because he goes on to say that salt that has lost its saltiness is good for nothing. It's just thrown out and trampled underfoot. And so we want to be so heavenly-minded that we can't help but do earthly good. We want to be salty. We want to be mixed into the world and different from the world, heavenly-minded and earthly good, that we can draw out the best in the world around us and that we can preserve this world for Christ's return and present this world to our Savior as a preserved world. The last thing we want to do is be so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. And so that's what we've been talking about. And, uh, and as we wrap this series up, I want to encourage you to listen to the entire chapter, to listen to God's word, and to do so in a way where you're free from distraction. So I know I'm always telling you, have a copy of the Bible in your hands, have a copy of the Bible in your hands. But right now, I just want you to sit back and listen, because many of our ancestors in the Christian faith would have heard these words delivered to them orally long before they ever had a paper copy. So if you would uh, just clear your mind of any distractions and listen to God's word as we wrap this series up. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your minds on the things above, not where Christ is seated at the heavenly realm. Set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, rid yourselves of anything that has to do with your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other, for you have taken off the old life and have put on the new life, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of his creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another whatever grievances you may have against each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. 
And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they'll become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart as a working for the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever you set your hand to, to do, do it as a working for the Lord and not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from him, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and good, for you know that you also have a master in heaven. So that's the journey that we've been on, seeking to apply God's word to our lives, that as we pray each week, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers also, that we would put these things into practice. And so in week one, we looked at those first 11 verses and we talked about how we desire to be so heavenly minded that we can't help but do earthly good. And you've heard me say it before, you'll hear me say it again. Being precedes doing. Being precedes doing. We become who God wants us to be in order to do what God wants us to do. As Pastor Zach talked about, it's not a checklist faith. It's not that we just do and do and do. We want to be. We want to become who he is and who he wants us to be. Second week, we looked at, uh, at what it means to be the church together. That we wouldn't just act like Christians, but that we would be the body of Christ together. That we wouldn't just put on a good show, but that we would truly be transformed from the inside out into his image. And that we would do it together. Last week, we talked about how this plays out in our homes as husbands and wives, as parents and children, and the idea that a heavenly-minded home can do an awful lot of earthly good. Today's sermon title is to be heavenly-minded and earthly good at work, and by extension into the marketplace in general and the entire world. We're moving to the workplace as the third and final arena in this chapter of seeing how this all plays out. And we're going to consider how we live out our new life in Christ, being heavenly-minded and earthly good in our workplace, in the world around us. Now, originally, the context of the workplace fit within the, 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 the Christian household. And so many of your Bibles probably have a, a heading at the top uh, between verse 17 and 18 of this section that says rules for Christian households or rules for Christian homes. And, and this was speaking into that context. Today, most of us work outside the home. Most of us sell or, or rent our time and our talents and our energy to employers. Some in this room are employers and you own a small business and you uh, employ others and you purchase their time from them in the form of wages and they come and they show up and they do the work that you've called them to do. Yet both employers and employees have amazing opportunities to be heavenly minded and earthly good in the world around them and you encounter people at work Smile if this is you. You encounter people at work that you don't encounter in other places, right? Some of you work with some crazy people, right? And if you don't, 
You might be the crazy person at your workplace and that they, they, think, uh, they think that about you. But, but that's the context of where we're going today. And I also want to take a minute just to point out uh, on your seat when you came in, there was a postcard for the new series that we're starting on September 9th. It's titled Come and See. It's a six-week series. It's a phenomenal opportunity for you to invite somebody at home or at work or in your neighborhood to come to church with you. So we put one on every seat. You can grab an extra one that's nearby you. Uh, nobody sits in the front row except for right over here. The Tornos sit in the front row. Good job, guys. Uh, so there's extras down here. There's some extras out at the Connection Center. Um, but take one of these and invite somebody to church. Invite somebody to come. And with that, you can invite them to our car show and picnic the evening of the night. Say, come in the morning, and then I'll buy you dinner. All right? And so that, that's a great way to do that because the church is going to provide the dinner. So say, you come to church in the morning, I'll buy you dinner, and we'll take you to a nice car show, and there'll be games, and there'll be all kinds of fun stuff going on for that. In fact, we're ramping up all of our volunteer efforts with that. You might have gotten a call um, asking if you would be interested in volunteering, or there are sheets uh, on the way out that you can indicate that you would be willing to volunteer. Most of the shifts are like 45 minutes, so it's not like you're going to get stuck somewhere for two and a half hours. Uh, just let us know if, if you would be willing to volunteer um, for the picnic and car show. So let's dig into the word here and dig into these verses. Uh, We're going to look at verse 22 uh, of chapter 3 through verse 1 of chapter 4. Now, interestingly enough, when these letters were originally written, Paul didn't write, okay, verse 1, and then write out verse 1, and then put a little 2, and here's verse 2, and a little 3, and here's verse 3. The numbers and chapters and verse numbers didn't come until the Latin Vulgate, which was around the 13th, 14th century that it was translated from the original languages into the Latin language. And most scholars agree, they just they just botched it. The end of chapter 3 uh, really should have included uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And so we're going to use it because it's obviously talking about the same subject and working with that together. Um, so verse 22 reminds us uh, as, as slaves, and think employees, that's the modern language. Most of you aren't enslaved to another person. It might feel that way sometime, uh, but that's not literally what's going on. But slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Now, when we talk about slaves, the Greek word is doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S, doulos. And Paul uses this phrase or this word frequently in the New Testament. And the literal translation or meaning of the word is a bond servant or a a slave, literally somebody who's owned by or the property of another. Now, most people in America are not enslaved. We know that there is uh, a human trafficking um, epidemic that's taking place and that people are seeking to enslave others. And around the world, this is a big issue representing maybe 25 to 30 million people who are enslaved. Um, But this used to be the majority of the population. And so we have made some progress here uh, as, as, as it refers to you have self-direction over your life and you can choose who you, uh, who you sell your time and, and your talents to in the workplace. But that wasn't the case before. It was a harsh reality of the Roman, uh, Roman culture and the Roman world at the time that there were free men and there were property owners and there were governments and so forth and they were the ones that owned slaves and they were sold uh, as property at that time. Yet it's interesting that this word doulos appears often at the beginning of a letter as a term of dignity. It's used with the highest dignity as one who is free yet willingly 
submits to Christ's authority in their life. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes as a Roman citizen who was a free man, but he willingly subjected himself to the authority of Christ, even when it meant going all around the known world and being beaten and being imprisoned and ultimately being killed for his faith. He was a free Roman citizen, yet he willingly subjected himself to Christ's control as one purchased by another, much like the doulos that we talk about. And so when he talks about having reverence and with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord, he's talking about live your lives as a life of worship. He references this in Romans 12 at the beginning when he talks about offering your bodies as living sacrifices. That we say, you know, because you paid the penalty for my sin on the cross, Lord, I am going to willingly submit to your authority for my life for the remainder of my life as a bondservant or slave would do so. The good news is that Jesus, that God, that the triune God is an incredible, incredible master to serve. And he only wants our very best. And he does not use us or abuse us or treat us poorly. Instead, he, he guides us towards that rich and satisfying life that he came for us to have. So our bottom line is we think about serving as bondservants of Christ, with sincerity of heart and reverence to the Lord, our, bo- our bottom line is that we serve God well by serving others well, by serving our employers well, by serving our families well, by serving in our church well, by serving the world around us well. We serve God well. Verse 23 kind of carries this on to the next uh, level when it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. And so, if you don't like your boss, you can remind yourself frequently that you're really working for Christ, that you're really owned by him, that you're really the property of another, that, that yes, you have to work for your earthly boss, but ultimately, it is the Lord Christ that we are serving. And so, we pretend that we're working for him, and we work willingly. We work not grudgingly, but willingly, and we willingly go above and beyond and do what needs to be done to grow and to learn and to improve our value, to, to be easy to be led and to lead up and provide influence across our organization, both those that are over us, those that are peers, and those that would be beneath us in our work. Joseph, the Old Testament hero, Joseph, is a perfect example of this. He gets sold into slavery. He becomes a bondservant of strangers on their way to Egypt and then is sold in the marketplace in Egypt to a man named Potiphar. And he chooses to whatever he does to do it with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord, to to work at it willingly, not grudgingly. And he rises up the ranks in Potiphar's house until he is second only to Potiphar. And then... He hits the reset button again. He gets accused of something terrible, ends up in a prison, and decides that he is going to serve the prison warden with excellence, willingly, not grudgingly, and does everything that he can to serve his earthly master. And he makes his way up the ranks there as well, finally coming before Pharaoh, the most important person, human being in Egypt at the time, and chooses to serve Pharaoh willingly, not grudgingly, and do whatever he does in the name of the Lord Jesus. Of course, it wasn't the Lord Jesus and it was the Lord God, but he was serving his God as he was serving his earthly masters. He becomes a wonderful example of this. 
And in verse 24 carries the thought on one more step. It says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. So you might think that you're working for your employer to earn a wage, but ultimately you are serving Christ. You are serving your heavenly Father. And everything you have in your ultimate inheritance and the eternity that you have to look forward to come from him, not from your earthly masters. And we've talked about the, the rope analogy where we had the rope going off stage in, in that direction representing eternity and the little chunk that represents our life here on earth. And so as we focus on this little chunk, we keep that eternity in mind and knowing that we are serving God. We are serving him ultimately and our reward, our inheritance comes from him. Because everything that we do as a bondservant of Christ, we do in service to him. That's worship. That's worship. Our lives, our work, the things that we set our hands to become an act of worship to God. And verse 25 kind of throws a warning out there. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong and there's no favoritism. And I don't think this means that God's going to get you so much as you'll reap what you sow. And if you do wrong... That will come to an end. And if you do the right thing, the right things will follow that. And so as we think about verse 25 and that warning or that exhortation, I think it has more to do with reaping what you sow. And beware that if you rise in your workplace to a position where you have title and prestige, make sure that verse 1 of the next chapter applies to you as well. Masters, masters, don't forget that you have a master in heaven. So if you work your way up the ladder, don't use it as an opportunity to abuse those that are beneath you, but use it as an opportunity to treat them with what is right and fair because you also have a master in heaven. You see, we serve God well by serving others well. We serve God well by serving each other well. And as we focus as employers and employees as workers and as masters, on serving God well, on doing what is right in his eyes, then we serve each other well. And that's the big idea. That's the bottom line. It's not that you worship while you work and not, not just that you listen to Caleb at your desk or you whistle a song as you work, but that your whole life, your whole work that you do, the, the things that you do from sunup to sundown are an act of worship to God. Because when we do this, the, the verse that follows, the, the verse 13 in Matthew chapter 5, you know, you are the salt of the earth. What is, what is the other thing that he tells them they are? He says, you are the light of the earth as well. You are the light of the world. And he says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and worship your Father who is in heaven and glorify your Father who is in heaven, that when we get this right, when we're so heavenly minded that we can't help but do earthly good, and we take that mindset into our church, into our homes, and into our workplaces, that when we are so heavenly minded we can't help but do earthly good, it's God who gets the glory. It's God who gets the praise. It's him who receives glory and honor when we let our light so shine before men that they see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. So my question is, we've been doing this for four weeks now, and I'm wondering, have you tried some of this out? Have you made a shift or a change in the way that you approach uh, your husband or your wife or your parents or your kids or, or your employer now or, or maybe just how you live out your life in general? Have you made the, a change? Have you tried something new? Because I would imagine if you did, one of two things 
probably happened. Either it went swimmingly and you just loved everything about it, or there were a little bit of growing pains associated with that. Or maybe it didn't play out exactly how you had it in your mind. And that doesn't mean that you should stop. Remember, we have spiritual forces that want to thwart any progress that we would make in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so keep going, keep moving. I want to encourage you that as you seek to be different on Monday, each time you come to church on Sunday, as you seek to learn and to grow and to be changed, to be doers of the word, that if you run into the devil every now and then and he opposes you, that's a good thing. Because if you're never running into the enemy, that means you're going in the same direction. Okay? Because if, if we're moving in step with, with our enemy, then we're never going to run into him. But if we're coming in contact with opposition, with, with things that feel like spiritual warfare, that means that we're doing the right thing. And I want to encourage you that, that, that the Spirit will come alongside you and assist you in that. Because when we serve God well by serving others well, he gets the glory, not us. He becomes the focal point, not us. And so that's my hope and my prayer for you today. And as you think about uh, transitioning into a time of response, I said early on in this series that the series presumes that Paul is speaking to Christians and, and it addresses us as Christians, as believers. But if that's not the case, you've just had four weeks to look into uh, some of the things, some of the benefits, some of the things that Jesus offers to us, that we could be heavenly-minded and earthly good in our home life, in our church life, in our work life, that we could take off the old self and put on the new self, that we could be renewed in the image of our Creator. And I would encourage you, if that is appealing to you and yet you've never made that public profession of faith, you've never crossed over the line from, from growing in your knowledge of Christ to making a commitment to Christ, I would encourage you to make today the day of your salvation, that today could be the day that you step over that line of faith into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so however you choose to respond today, I would encourage you to respond in faith. If you want to come down to an altar, you can do that. The center altars are, are there for you if you'd like to pray alone. If you want somebody to put a hand on your shoulder and pray with you or pray for you or just pray over you, you can come down to the outside altars and somebody will come and will meet you there. Today would be a wonderful day to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Will you bow with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you for loving us, for giving your very life for us, that we might have the life that is truly life, the rich and satisfying and abundant life that comes through following you, that comes through being heavenly-minded, setting our hearts and our minds on the things above, not on these earthly things, that we might do earthly good in your name, that we might be a blessing to those we encounter, that we might become closer and closer to you in every way. As we respond now, Lord, I pray that we would respond in faith, that we would be a people who, when we encounter your word, we use it as a mirror into our lives. We ask you to search us and to know us and to show us anything that's not as it should be. And may we respond to conviction with faith and humility. And Lord, that, that as we go from this place, we would do so with a commitment to be heavenly minded. 
and do a lot of earthly good in your name and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.